Isn't that a beautiful psalm? Oh, thank you. You're still there? What's the old saying? A psalm a day keeps the blues away. I think that's true. Although I know that we still have our blues, I know that. But something about God's word. Encourage you to love God's word, people. He loves you and he's given us his word that we might love him and know him through the scripture. What are you frightened about? What kind of things frighten you? Just want you to have a think about that for a minute as I pray before we just open God's word. Heavenly Father, it's just been beautiful to be here already and I know it's hot, Lord, and we've, but we thank you that you're here and we pray that we might just know the, the cool refreshing of your presence in our own hearts today. You know the home life that we come from. You know the morning that we've had to get here. Some may have wished that they probably had never come. Some wonder why it's worth it. But Lord, they're here. We're here. We're here because you want us to be. You're here because, uh, we're here because you want to meet us together corporately. and You want to use the whole body of Christ here today to minister to each other. And we want to do that. We just want to use our gifts for you today too. And we want to lift up the head of the body being Jesus Christ himself. So Lord, here we are with you. Please speak to us. We just want to listen to you. We want to be then not just hearers of the word, Father, but teach us to be doers of the word as well. And this is our prayer we ask in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Yeah, just a question I think. I think it's fairly relevant at the moment. Um, should Christians be afraid? I'd just like to take a few minutes to explore that this morning with you. Just as by, by way of introduction, um, at a particular website, you can actually find it if you want to, a um, particular internet website, you can find the results of a survey that was done in the, U in the US um, where 3,000 people um, were asked about the things that they fear the most. I have to say, I don't know when this survey was done. It could be some years old. I don't know, as all surveys go. So you might need to take that into account. But when you go to this particular site, uh, this is the list. They compiled what, um, what came out of this survey. Uh, and the list will come up on the screen in a minute. Perhaps you might even be able to relate to some of these. You might say, perhaps not a problem with that. Or you might say, yes, that's one of mine. So here it is. Let me just read it through briefly. I'm not going to make comment about any of them. But just let me say uh, what, uh, let me just read you what these, uh, what these actually were. So it's listed under the, the 14 worst human fears in a ranked percentage. This is what it was. First one was public speaking. Yeah, I could relate to that. Um, I'm already there. It's different. All right, let me keep going. So number one, public speaking. Two was heights. Three, insects and bugs. Four was financial problems. Five, deep water. Some of us are in deep water. Six, sickness. Number seven was death. Number eight, flying. Number nine, loneliness. Interesting, I preached on loneliness last Sunday night. Number nine was loneliness. Number ten, dogs. Number eleven, driving, riding in a car. I suppose it depends who's driving. 
Maybe who's riding in the car with you. 11, 12, darkness. Yeah. 13, elevators. 14, escalators. That's interesting, isn't it? Any nods there or... No, none of that. Anyway, that's it. And, and look, if nothing else, it's a good conversation starter for you after morning tea, perhaps during morning tea, when you go home, you might like to talk about what are the things that you would rank as something that, you know, things that, that you fear about. Now, in this same survey, it had some other interesting things to say. This will also be a good conversation. Uh, listen to this one. The survey also made these comments. In general, women are far more fearful than men. That's what the survey... That's not true, ladies, is it? In general, women are more fearful than men. Twice as many were afraid of heights, insects, deep water, flying or driving in cars. Three times as many were frightened of darkness and four times as many were frightened of elevators. They're also more fearful of dogs getting sick and dying. That's what it says. For men... You guys, we guys, we don't miss out. The only fear that men have more often than women is the fear of, what do you think? Financial problems. Do you reckon that's true today? Not sure? And there's the reference. Uh, it's from the uh, Carnegie, Dale Carnegie Literature, secondary source research, researchpoll.com. It's all there. Don't know how old it is, so I'm going to say that up front. But it's a good conversation starter, perhaps something to think about and uh, maybe husbands and wives can discuss that as you go home and there is marriage counselling available here in this church. <laughs> if there's any real issues that come out of that, uh, we can organise some marriage counselling for you. But you know, what I, more seriously, what, what I would like us to consider though this morning are some questions, questions such as these, what place does fear have in your life? What are the things that you are really frightened about? Um, does God intend for his people to live in fear? Or is being afraid just simply part of the package of being human, therefore live with it, get on with it and get on with life? It's just part of being human. So we have to learn to live with it. What do you think about that? More importantly, what does God think about those questions? Because that's what I'd like us to know this morning. What does God's word say in reference to this particular topic? And I want to use a lot of the Psalms this morning and other scriptures as well. So you might get spiritual indigestion. Hope you don't. But please may the word of God just wash over you and touch you and minister to you this morning. If you're in one of these areas where something is troubling you, and I think there are people in that category... There are times when I am frightened as well. I don't think there's a person alive who doesn't have those times. But does God want us to live in fear? That's what I want us to look at this morning. Psalm 34 verse 4 says this, I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all my fears. From how many of my fears? From all my fears. I think we need to really chew on the word of God, folks, this morning and not let our eyes just wander over things. But he delivered me from all my fears. I love Psalm 46, verse 1 and 2. Um, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, because he's an ever-present help, therefore, we will not fear. We will not fear. 
Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea and there's all kinds of other things that are happening in your life, turmoil and so on and so forth, and militant extremists think that they'll get away with their, with their particular ways and so on, and you could probably add a whole lot of other stuff there, but God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. And if we were to take into account the other 76 times according to my computer that you'll find in God's word from Genesis to Revelation those exact four words, do not be afraid. That's only do not be afraid. There must be dozens of other words that speak about not fear. Don't fear. Do not fear. Fear not. Whatever it is. But do not be afraid 76 times according to my computer in the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation. So when you take all that into account, I think it's pretty safe to conclude that God does not intend for his people to live in fear or to be slaves to fear. When the Apostle Paul wrote to the believers in Rome, he said this to them, Romans 8, 15, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. But you receive the spirit of sonship by which we cry, Abba, Father. Once you maybe have lived in a state of fear, perhaps outside of Christ. If you're outside of Christ, you are very much within your right to fear. But Paul is saying, once you lived in that state, but now you've received another spirit. It's the spirit of sonship. That cries, Abba, Father. It's not a spirit of fear. So another question is, well, all right, that's nice to hear that. We know that, we believe that, but how do we overcome fear? <clears throat> how do we overcome it? And there may be lots of ways, lots of suggestions, but I want to look at God's word tonight, uh, this morning. And I want to suggest that as we look into the pages of God's word that we will discover there are a number of principles or keys, if you like, that we need to put into practice and that, I believe, will help to overcome any enslavement to fear. It will overcome your fear. And I'm just going to mention three of those this morning. You probably could think of a whole lot more. But let me mention three of those principles or those keys this morning. Firstly, I want to word it like this. Firstly, when fear begins to close in on you, recognise the power and presence of God. When you sense that fear has started to close in on you, recognise the power and presence of God. Psalm 46 again. Well, I've saying those words. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. I love 1 John 4 as well. 1 John 4. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them. What's the them? Well, the them is everything that is false, everything that is evil, everything that threatens fear in your life. You are, and you have overcome them because the one who is in you, the Holy Spirit, is greater than the one who is in the world, Satan. So the Spirit of God in you is a lot more powerful, stronger, greater than the one who is in the world, who is Satan. He's a defeated, conquered foe. And we need to know these scriptures. It's like, remember we did that, that, that sermon on the, putting on the full armour of God? This is putting on the armour of God. It's taking up the sword of the Spirit. And when you know scripture like this and you memorise it or you know where to go to find it, it's like pricking, pricking the sword up and using the sword of the Spirit against the evil one, against the enemy, the fears that you have in your life. So how beautifully, how reassuring this is 
for the child of God to recognise that there is no one, there is no thing at all in existence greater than or even equal to the Lord God Almighty who resides in you by his Holy Spirit. David the psalmist proclaims these words. He says in Psalm 145 and, uh, and, and verse 3, he says, Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. His greatness no one can fathom. If you can fathom God's greatness, then, you, then he's not God. You can't fathom God. You can't fathom his greatness. He's an awesome God. Verse 6, they will tell they will tell of the power of your awesome works and will proclaim your great deeds. And then David says in Psalm 34 verse 2, My soul will boast in the Lord. My soul will boast in the Lord. Why? Well, because he's the greatest. He's the greatest. There used to be a famous boxer who used to stand up and say, I am the greatest. Remember him? wonder where he is now. No, he's not the greatest. He needs the Lord. God is the greatest. And it's not just reassuring to know that God is the greatest, that he is awesome in power and majesty. But when I sense that fear is beginning to close in on me, and that's happened a number of times to me, and I'm sure with you, when you sense that fear begins to close in on you in one form or another, I also need to recognise that this same God this same God is always, always, always there for me. He's, he's an ever-present help. He's always there for us. Isn't that fantastic? He's there for me. He's there for you. He's my refuge and strength and ever-present help in my troubles. When did you last read the 23rd Psalm? Really read it again. Verse 4, even though, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, how does it go then? I will fear no evil. Why is that? Well, because you are with me. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Isn't it powerful? There's nothing like God's word. To wipe away fears. I can remember when I was a little boy, just like you. Yep, I can remember when I was a little boy. And I can remember at times being so afraid of the dark. So afraid of the dark. Particularly after watching horror movies. Why on earth was I allowed to watch horror movies? I don't know. Please, mum and dad, don't let your kids watch horror movies. Because I used to see things in the dark. And I'm sure they were there. But it was all up here. Don't watch horror movies. But I knew, but I knew that in the next room was my dad, who was the greatest. You know how it is? He was the greatest. He was able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. And, and get this, get this. He wasn't afraid of the dark. Or at least he didn't show it. <laughs> he didn't show it. You know, and all I had to do was to call out to him. And he nearly always answered, or mum, they were always there for me. And sometimes that wasn't enough. Sometimes I'd be in their bed quick as a flash. 
Some of you can relate to that. You know, and as kids, isn't it right that sometimes we do exaggerate things about our dads? You know, almost they're, they're almost superheroes. And, you know, and I know that for some that's not always the case at all. But sometimes we do exaggerate about our dads. But listen to this. We need to get this. There is absolutely no exaggeration about God's power and his presence in our lives. And that, folks, is an essential key in overcoming fear. Because unless you believe that God is greater than any of those things that frighten you, if you unless you believe that God is greater than that, that you'll, then you'll struggle in your belief that he's able to overcome them. The psalmist declares, proclaim the power of God whose majesty is over Israel, whose power is in the skies. You are awesome, O God, in your sanctuary. The God of Israel gives power and strength to his people. Power and strength to his people. So firstly, we need to recognize the power and presence of God. Secondly, secondly, when fear begins to close in on you, respond in prayer and praise to God. You thought about that. When you sense fear crowding in on you, then respond in prayer and praise to God. Look at Psalm 34 again, verse 4. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Verse 6 of that same Psalm. This poor man and the, this poor man called and the Lord heard him. And saved him out of all his troubles. Verse 17. The righteous cry out. And the Lord hears them. And he delivers them from all their troubles. Do you remember what Paul said in Philippians 4, 6 and 7? We should memorize that one if we haven't already. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything by prayer and petition. With thanksgiving. Present your requests to God and the peace of God. The peace of God. Folks, there's nothing, nothing like the peace of God in your life. Nothing can substitute the peace of God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I can't explain this. I don't know how this actually works. But there is something powerful that takes place in the spiritual realm when God's people meet together and prayer in prayer and praise. When you meet with God on your own, there's something powerful that takes place. But when God's people gather together and we start to worship God and we praise God in prayer and in worship, something powerful happens in the spiritual realm. Have you noticed that? If you're not sure, come and see. Come and see for yourself. Be involved in the prayer life of the church through your life groups, through the monthly evenings of prayer that we'll be putting on this year again and the day of prayer. Those times will be too, I think, this year as well. Come be involved in the prayer life of the church in 2015. If you're not having a family altar at home, it's a good time to start perhaps this year. A time when you can pray together. Doesn't have to be long, drawn-out prayers, but just a time when you meet to God deliberately, purposefully. Things powerfully happen, and you know I can honestly say I can honestly say this that I have never walked away disappointed from a prayer meeting yet. There are times I didn't want to go, if I'm honest. 
But I have never walked away disappointed or regretful of going to a prayer meeting. There's something about it. There's power in prayer and praise. That's a sermon on its own. But there's something powerful in prayer and praise. Did you notice, for example, how David began, the psalmist began Psalm 34? Look at the, look at the first uh, verse, verse. Psalm 34, 1 to 6. Can you read that, folks, from where you are? Say it with me. Here we go. I will exalt, stole the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Beautiful. Thank you. You know, and when we respond by drawing near to God and we focus on him in prayer and in praise and worship, something powerful and wonderful happens to all of our fears. Have you noticed that too? That when we do that, firstly... Firstly, they cease to occupy that primary place in our lives that they had no right to in the first place. Do you know that? Firstly, when you focus on God in worship, in prayer and praise, they cease to occupy that primary place in our lives that they had no right to in the first place. And secondly, secondly, they fall away to a place of insignificance, a place of unimportance and a place of powerlessness they do have you noticed that you seen that work in your life I have I remember hearing uh, one day um, um, some years ago I remember a work colleague of mine uh, who knew that I was a Christian this is in the QAS he knew I was a Christian and and I knew that he was exploring the things of God himself this young bloke was his name was Graham he might even hear this. And I knew he was exploring Christianity. And we were one day at a live-in course. It was a live-in seminar at this particular location. And he shared with me the next morning how in his room, he, he was attacked by an evil presence in his room. I hope I'm not frightening any kids here. Mum and Dad, that's your business to deal with that afterwards. <laughs> but he shared this story with me. Now, there's a bit of background to this. And he was, he was, it, was a, it was a very ugly, horrible, nasty, evil time that this bloke had. Now his background was this, he was heavily involved in, the, in, uh, in martial arts, heavily involved in martial arts, including the spiritual side of it as well. And he told me a whole lot of other stories regarding this martial arts. I'm not saying martial arts is evil necessarily, but you need to be very careful with this. It was occultism that this guy was involved in. So he attracted a lot of unpleasant spiritual forces in his life. Demonic forces. And he described he had a, a very nasty night that particular night. And all he could remember, all he could do from his background, from his past, was remember the Lord's Prayer. And so he started to say the Lord's Prayer, Our Father who art in heaven. And as soon as he started to say the Lord's Prayer, this thing left him. It left him instantly. And there was another guy who came into his room because it's frightened this bloke so much he yelled out. Someone else ran into his room and they're both telling me this story the next day. And how he experienced the power of God in his life. How he responded in prayer and in praise to God and it overcame his fears, overcame the evil one. 
I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. So we need to recognize the power and presence of God. We need to respond in prayer and praise to God. And thirdly, when fear begins to close in on you, then we need to rest in the assurance of your position and place in God. Rest in the assurance. If you're a child of God this morning, rest in the assurance of your position and place with God. In other words, your relationship with God. If you're not a child of God this morning, you might need to become one before you leave. So important that you do. For these reasons that we're talking about now. Psalm 34 verse 7. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. Isn't that fantastic? The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fears him and he delivers them. Fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him lack nothing. So what you could say is that we overcome fear by fearing the Lord. We overcome fear by fearing the Lord. In other words, in holding him up, lifting him up in awe and in reverence, in our position and in our place as a child of God, standing in awe and wonder of God. Fear the Lord. Those who fear him lack nothing. And if you've accepted the Lord Jesus Christ today, if you've accepted him as your Lord and Saviour, then you belong to him. You belong to him. And there are so many verses in Scripture that give you that assurance. Here's just one more. John 1.12 Yet to all who receive him, yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. There it is. Powerful words. And they're for you this morning. And as a child, as his child, he is committed. And indeed, he is even obligated in protecting you. You know, just as a human mother and father is, and I'm going to say normally, normally committed to protecting their own children. And mums and dads normally will protect their own children, and we know only too well, tragically, that doesn't always happen. We know that. But normally we are there to protect our kids. We'd give our lives for our kids. So does that mean then that nothing bad can ever happen to us? Well, I think we've been living on planet Earth enough to know that no, that's not true. Bad things do happen to us. But you know, what I do believe is this. What I believe this means is that no one can rob you of anything that you weren't going to lose eventually anyway. Let me say that again. No one can rob you of anything that you weren't going to lose eventually anyway. In other words, the temporary things of life, of this life and of this world. Those things, you know, will pass away. So don't hang on to them too tight, folks. Have a loose grip on the things of the world because they're going to fade away one day. Uh, and by the way, so will your body. So will you, your body. Not you, your body will. And be encouraged. God's got a better one for you. He's got a far better one for you. Do you, remember, do you remember when Jesus was addressing the crowds? This time it was a crowd of thousands of people, including his, his disciples were there as well. 
And Jesus clearly and strongly, I might say, put things in its right perspective when he said these words in Luke 12, verses 4 and 5. Let me read them to you. Jesus didn't mince his words, and we need to hear them this morning. He said this. He said, I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who can kill the body, and after that can do no more. He says, but I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him. Fear him who, after killing of the body, has the power to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. John, tw- John 1, sorry, Luke 12, 4 and 5. But the good news is, the good news is that you can rest. If you're a child of God this morning, you can rest in the assurance of your relationship with God through your faith in Jesus Christ. Never fearing the day of judgment, never fearing punishment, never fearing this place called hell, never fearing it. Why? Well, because Jesus took it all for you upon himself when he died on the cross for your sins and for mine. Jesus took it all. So therefore, there's no cause of fear. You get that? And this is how the Apostle John put that. When he, when he wrote in 1 John 4.18, he said, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out all fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. And the one who fears is not made perfect in love. Great passage of scripture. Perfect love gave itself for you and me when Jesus died on the cross bearing in himself our punishment, bearing in himself our judgment. So in Christ, there's no punishment. In Christ, there's, there's no punishment. There's no judgment. Therefore, there's no fear. Do you get that? If the cause of fear has been removed, there's no fear. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Hebrews 13.6 what can man do to me? I want to finish with a story. I want to close with a story this morning. Um, a story by, by, by someone called Leonard Sweet. Let me, let me read this to you. A tribe of Native Americans had a unique practice for training young braves. On the night of a boy's 13th birthday, he was placed in a dense forest to spend the entire night alone. Until then, he had never been away from the security of his family and tribe. But on this night, he was blindfolded and taken miles away. When he took off the blindfold, he was in the middle of thick woods by himself all night long. Every time a twig snapped, he probably visualised a wild animal ready to pounce. Every time an animal howled, he imagined a wolf leaping out of the darkness. Every time the wind blew, he wondered what more sinister sound it masked. No doubt it was a terrifying night for many. After what seemed like an eternity, the first rays of sunlight entered the interior of the forest. Looking around, the boy saw flowers and trees and the outline of the path. Then to his utter astonishment... He beheld the figure of a man standing just a few feet away, armed with bow and arrow. It was the boy's father. He'd been there all night long. 
Do you get that story? You know, so whether your fears, whatever they are, whatever, so whether your fears have to do with global events and terrorist attacks, um, financial problems, losses, whether it has to do with more you know, medical matters or personal matters, remember no matter what darkness you go through, no matter what fears try to close in on you, your heavenly Father has been and will always be there with you and for you. And folks, it's all night long. Amen? Let's pray. Just, as, just before I pray, perhaps there, there are folks here today. I don't know. God knows. And you just love someone to pray with you after the service. Pray with you. Pray for you. Would you please hunt someone out before you, before you go? Would you see one of us, please? We'd love to sit with you. We'd love to just listen to you and pray with you before you go home. You know, if God's really been laying on your heart that someone needs to pray for you, then please will you take that opportunity? I know time is tight for us, but look, this is so important. So please have a, consider that before you go here this morning. Till you go home, just have someone pray with you. And you may be fine, but look, if there is someone here, then please take that opportunity to do that. But Father, we thank you for your words to us. We thank you that you're the one who has the words of eternal life. Just remember that, Lord, I guess as, as the disciples asked that of Jesus, when Jesus said, do you want to leave me as well? And it was Peter, Lord, who said, well, Lord, where do we go? To whom do we go? You have the words of eternal life. And you really do. And Father, we thank you that we're here this morning. We've been listening to you, the one who has the words of eternal life. The one who knows how to deal with the fears, the worries, the anxieties that we have. Perhaps the one, the, the one who does know exactly what's going on in our lives. Even when we put on a brave front, you know exactly what's going on in our hearts and in our minds. Help us, Lord, to release this, these things to you today. Help us not to try and cover it over, but just allow you to see beneath the surface and allow you and give you permission to bring your words afresh back into our hearts. And Father, if there's anyone here this morning and they haven't really yet made that step of commitment where they haven't really said, Lord, I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sin. Come into my life, Lord Jesus. There's someone here this morning who hasn't said that, Lord. Then I pray before they go, they'll utter those words or similar from their hearts so that you can come in and they can have the absolute gift and assurance of eternal life. So loving Father, we commit ourselves to you. Thank you for being with us here this morning. Just bless your wonderful name in Jesus' name. Amen. You know,